Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. Samantha and Denise here with you. You know, we were talking before we were recording and planning this show about how how heavy the energy is when we look or read or watch the news. There's just so much going on right now in the world that is that is scary and and violent and depressing and frightening and all that negative stuff. And so we thought it would be fun just to kind of share with each other some stories that we read or saw in the news this week that uplifted us and brightened our day and we hope will uplift and brighten your day. And Denise doesn't know what I'm sharing. I don't know what she's sharing. So it's going to be new for all of us as we listen together. And if you like this idea, let us know and maybe we'll do it again. But but we just thought it would be fun just to just to kind of be a little time out in in your day from some of the some of the frightening stuff going on in the news. Is that is that a good way to describe what we plan? That's an excellent way to describe it. I've said this over and over that we need to see the humanity in each other. We need to lead with kindness and we're not taking a stand on any specific issues. We have a very diverse listening audience and to align with one belief over another is disrespectful to those people who may have varying beliefs. We respect and love you all for what you believe, where you are in the world how you're choosing to live your life. Truly in my soul belief, we have to get back to a place of humanity and treat each other with love and compassion with whatever that looks like for you. So well said. You know, my my daughter and I were watching some of the stuff that's going on in the world and I just looked at her and she looked at me and I said, let's, let's watch some happy animal videos. Yes. And like almost an hour watching videos of these adorable little animals being rescued or reunited because you just need a break from all of that. It's overwhelming. 
All right. So this first one um, is a story that my sister shared with me and it just, it just made me so happy. I love the symbolism of it. it. It's a story some of you might've heard before. It was new to me. And so I hope it's new to some of you and you'll love it as much as I did. Once upon a time in a little pond in the muddy water under the lily pads, there lived a little water beetle in a community of water beetles. They lived a simple and comfortable life in the pond with few disturbances and interruptions. Once in a while, sadness would come to the community when one of their fellow beetles would climb the stem of a lily pad and would never be seen again. They knew when this happened that their friend was dead and gone forever. But then one day, the little water beetle felt an irresistible urge to climb up that stem. However, he was determined that he would not leave forever. He would come back down and tell his friends what he had found at the top. When he reached the top and climbed out of the water onto the surface of the lily pad, he was so tired and the sun felt so cozy and warm that he decided he must take a nap. As he slept, his body changed. And when he woke up, he had turned into a beautiful blue-tailed dragonfly with broad wings and a slender body designed for flying. So fly he did. As he soared, exploring and seeing the beauty of a whole new world, which was a far more beautiful and superior way of life to what he had ever known existed, he remembered his beetle friends and how they were now thinking he was dead. He wanted to go back to tell them and explain to them that he was now more alive than he'd ever been before. His life had been fulfilled rather than ended, but his new body could not go down into the water. He couldn't go back to tell his friends the good news. Then he understood their time would come when they too would know what he now knew. So he raised his wings and flew off into his joyous new life. And so the, the person who wrote this legend up said, the fact that we can't see or communicate with our loved ones after transformation, which is called death, does not mean they cease to exist. We are, as the old saying goes, not human beings on a spiritual journey, but rather spiritual beings on a human journey. Life should not be understood merely as a finite period during which we walk this earth, but rather is simply the beginning of a spiritual journey that begins in this world in a limited, constrained form and continues for all eternity. Death is merely the point of that journey at which the soul is finally released to take flight and soar to the higher station that it was intended for. I just love that metaphor of, of the water beetle you know, wanting to just show his little water beetle friends what happens when when their family members fly to that stem. And, and then, you know, he's transformed into this dragonfly and he can't go back and tell them. It's, it's, a, it's just a great way to process grief, don't you think? I agree. And it's a fun story. It's a good story you could share with little people about transformation and change. It's really nice. It's a great little story. Yeah, it really is because you do feel like death is the end and that's it. But, you know, why can't they come back and tell us? And, you know, it's because they've gotten their wings like this dragonfly. And maybe they just can't come into the water uh, of earth that we that we are swimming in now. It touches your heart. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, What's one of your stories? Well, I took a bit of a different turn with this. Uh, I went in a bit of a different direction with this. And a while back, we had talked about this program where people would finish craft projects 
that may not have been completed before someone passed or became impaired with a disability. So I looked up looseendsproject.org and the the purpose of this is they they do they finish projects that loved ones have left behind and their aim is to ease grief, create community and inspire generosity by matching volunteer handwork finishers with projects people have left undone. And they have all kinds of offerings. They have knitting, crocheting, sewing, quilting, tatting, basketry, felting, all kinds of things. Some I've never even heard of before. And you can volunteer to finish a project or you can submit a project. One of the things that I really loved is there's a line on a quote listed on the site that says, you look like somebody loves you. And it goes on to say, handmade items are gestures of love. The time, expense, and skill that go into making them are impossible to quantify. When you wear something made special for you, it feels good. You were thoughtfully considered with each stitch. When a maker dies mid-project, this tangible handmade expression of love could get lost, donated away, or thrown out, or it can be finished as intended and given back to be cherished. I just think this is so, so beautiful. And they do have, uh, you can go to their website, looseendsproject.org, and you can download a flyer to share with your own community. And they're available in English, Dutch, French, Hebrew, Czech, Spanish, German. And it even says, if you want to fly in a different language, just let us know. So this is a global project. And I think it is the absolute epitome of building community, kindness, and um, and honoring. So I, I it, even reading, looking up on the site brought me a lot of joy endsproject.org. That is a fantastic idea. There's probably a lot of people that love to craft and they may not have anyone who needs anything or, or appreciates what they're making or they're looking just for a nice volunteer opportunity. So this is a, a beautiful, beautiful way to give back and also just spread kindness. And any kind of handwork is a great way to get in that meditative state, anything that's repetitive, that we can just kind of calm down and relax. And it allows us to become more receptive. And I I know for myself, I get a lot of insight. It's, um, it's a great practice. It can also be very soothing and calming for us personally during these difficult times. And it's it's wonderful for the knitter, crocheter, whatever the craft is, because haven't you noticed when you're making something for someone, it's like you put you put that intention of love into every stitch. Whereas if you're just doing something because you want, I don't know, a pretty pillow cover or you're doing a, a Christmas ornament, it's different when it's just for yourself. But when you're making it for someone with love, I don't know, I always feel like like the yarn is different, that the outcome is different. It has that energy attached to it. You know, you made me a beautiful shawl um, when I was helping care take care of my dad. And every time I put that on, I think of my dad, I think of you, and it's like getting a hug from you. Oh, it really is. And so I think it's just such a such a beautiful thing for both the 
the receiver and the, the crafter. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Denise. Thank Lucen's project. My goodness. <laughs> okay. So um, the next one I have, I just found so intriguing. It's not, it's not as much of a lovely heartwarming story like yours, but I just find it interesting. It's called Do Plants Have Souls? And it was on the noetics.org website. And it says, through experiments in the 1960s, a researcher named Baxter discovered that plants that were harmed showed a change in electrical response. And what's mind-blowing is that plants who were merely threatened with harm, that is receiving the intention of harm, showed a similar change. So they set up this experiment consisting of connecting plants to a galvanometer and the plants, it seemed, were able to pick up on the thoughts of people present in the room. Their electrical responses varied depending on whether the people's thoughts were positive or negative. And it goes on to say, in a famous 1966 experiment, Baxter connected a common house plant to a polygraph machine. He then imagined the plant being set on fire. Now, he just imagined this in his head. The polygraph showed a surge in electrical activity suggesting a stress response in the plant. His research was inspired by physicist Jagadish Chandra Bose, who showed that playing music for plants impacts their growth. More recently in 2015, Choudhury and Gupta summarized a number of experiments on the impact of audio frequencies on plants. Harmonious music facilitated the germination and growth of plants. Conversely, non-rhythmic and inharmonious sounds like heavy metal music harmed plant growth. So in the experiments, the plants did not only show reactions to immediate events, but also to past ones, suggesting some form of memory. Now, here's kind of a weird example. He let a plant witness another plant being harmed by having a person stomp on it. Later, six people passed by the surviving plant, one of them being the, the killer of that that other plant. And the plant showed a stress response when facing the killer. Thoughts so far, Denise? What do you think of that so far? Well, I do believe that plants are living things. And we've talked about this in other shows, the interconnectedness of root systems and the Netflix special, the fabulous fungi and how interconnected all of the species are, and especially in the plant kingdom. For those listeners who are plant empaths, this probably just seems like, well, of course, it would show a stress response. I think we need to spend more time as individuals connecting with the natural world. Well, if I'm in a garden with with plants and and I always thank them before. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Like, because I, I use rosemary a lot from my little garden and I when I'm cooking and I'll go out into the garden with my little shears and I think, oh, they're, they see me coming. They see me coming. And I, I don't know. I always feel bad. And I always will say, thank you so much for helping my family to eat delicious food. Okay. So if you're mowing or walking or, and you accidentally hurt somebody, <laughs> and I've got to personify the flowers. Do you stop and tell them you're sorry? No, I am, oh. I am so prejudiced against weeds. It's terrible. <laughs> I always feel like I need to apologize to them. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
Oh, it's so hilarious. I do the same thing. I always have. And reading this, Asia Suler, who we've had on the show many times, has a wonderful book about connecting with nature. And she has a fantastic chapter on why it is so important to weed and trim and prune. And she compares it to the need to weed and trim and prune in our own lives, right? When you have to just get rid of stuff that's no longer serving you. So I always try to think about her words when I do have to weed and trim and prune in my yard because I like I have this jasmine that is just completely overgrown. And when you cut it, that little milky substance comes out and the plant is bleeding and I feel so terrible. I was thinking the other day about where we are in the world and how much we've been desensitized. It made me think of it was someone mentioned the viral whatever where people are baking with a small child and then they crack an egg on their head and they're filming it. And I just don't see any humor in that. And I don't understand why you would do that to a little person. And there is a link back to the plant story as empaths, as sensitives, as knowing and feeling, knowing and feeling these plants. It's our job to get more connected with that. So we can shift things back to more kindness and understanding and empathy and a humanitarian outlook. I think it's all connected. I do too. What about, I don't know if you saw some of the Halloween videos of parents purposely scaring their kid. It was terrible. Or I think it was Jimmy Kimmel maybe who did the, he had the bunch of videos of parents hiding the kid's candy and saying like, oh, we ate it all. And the kid would cry and they go, ha, 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 just kidding. How do you use your own child as the source of a joke? I don't know. And I worry about all of the challenges and the, hey, look at this, and and humiliating each other, using children for fodder for that kind of stuff. Got feeling is there's a long-term impact and it's not helping. That's my own personal opinion. I have very good senses of humors and we're not you know, like we see the humor in a lot of things. I don't see the humor in making fun of your own child. I, and I never will. Yeah, I know. It's all fascinating with where we are as people. Now, if someone wants to email us and make fun of us for apologizing to plants before trimming them, have at it. I think I'd laugh right along with you. Oh, I laugh at myself. <laughs> Comes back to how many times we've said, you're just too damn sensitive. Well, we are. I know. <laughs> got to own it, right? The problem of being an empath, but you got to own it. So um, the article continues to say that in another experiment that was reported in the International Journal of Parapsychology, Baxter suggested that plants also showed strong adverse reactions to interspecies violence. The plants showed an electrical surge when live shrimp were dropped in boiling water and when an egg was cracked in their vicinity. So could this imply some sort of empathy? According to a 2007 study on plant kinship, plants react differently to their kin and strangers of the same species. They grew bigger root networks when in a pot with strangers as a way to compete. So interesting to me. Whether or not plants have souls remains a mystery. Plant consciousness and noetic phenomena in the plant realm are considered more controversial than its human counterparts. Even the idea that plants can be sentient, which could be explained with the materialism and biology, is viewed with skepticism. 
Experiments suggesting that plants may have consciousness make the non-material reality and interconnectedness of all things hard to dismiss. Why? Because plants don't have a central nervous system like humans. There's no way of explaining noetic phenomena in the plant kingdom through brain activity and the subconscious mind. Disturbing for materialists, delightful for explorers of consciousness. And again, that um, is called Do Plants Have Souls? And it's from noetics.org. Wow. And as you were reading that, I was thinking people don't identify or may not identify as strongly with plants as they do other living creatures or animals or whatever, because they don't have eyes. They don't have eyes that we recognize as eyes. Animals will look right into your heart. Animals will look right into your eyes. Even fish will look right into your eyes. That's a deep dive with that topic, isn't it? It is. And it makes you think, you know, if we all are made up of atoms, then we all are connected. And if, you know, how can we be so arrogant to think we're the only ones who have consciousness? Oh, that you're singing to the choir with that one. Cause I, I just think we're part of it. We're not. Um, yeah. That's, that's an excellent point. Yeah. Well, this is a, little bit older, but it's showing up now in the news. If you've ever had someone in your life or worked in an industry where someone has had an amputation and they've needed to use a prosthetic, there's so much involved with that. And we see people that are Paralympians and we, you know, they're, they've overcome the odds in, to such a degree on a daily basis, the engineering that goes into having a workable prosthetic and it's light years from what it used to be. There's a woman in Sweden who's been fitted with the first bone and nerve fused ionic limb. And there's a picture of her using uh, a, a tiny screwdriver. So there's such precision with this prosthetic that she's able to have that fine motor control. It's a beautiful mix of robotics and biology. And it's going to hopefully become more of what prosthetics become. But for a lot of amputees, they choose not even to use the prosthetic because it's uncomfortable. There's chafing. It's cumbersome. Uh, and they learn to acclimate without needing, without needing to use the prosthetic all the time. So the woman in the article had lost her arm years ago in a, in a farming accident and had decided not to use a prosthetic. So there's there was a team that came together, um, surgeons and engineers who from from Sweden, Australia, and Italy, and they developed an interface that fuses that human the human aspects with the machine to allow the limb to be comfortably attached while allowing electrical connection with the nervous system. And I believe it's called an osseointegration, where the bone tissue interacts with the titanium and causes a, a bond. And then there are uh, electrodes implanted in the nerves and muscles. I think the reason that it, there's a lot more to the article, but the reason I chose to share this is it's about quality of life. This is such a beautiful example of medicine and innovation and technology in a way that's empowering and hopeful. 
I'll say that's beautiful. You know, we, I think again, with the negative news, you know, before, what was it in the spring, we started seeing all the fear stuff about AI and technology and how it's going to overtake us. And there's some horror movies coming out about it. Right. But then you read something like this and you think, no, we've got to remember the the good side of all of this. Right. It's a good side. And if, if I always come back to, and I used to do this a lot when I would be in meetings in different places that I worked over the years. And, you know, you'd have that, that person that you're, that was difficult or behaviorally challenged or who just could not drink the Kool-Aid and do it the way everyone else in that school or facility did it. And I would always stop myself and think that's somebody's child, that's somebody's brother or or parent or whatever. And I think it comes back to that of of that human aspect is so vital right now. And if if we had someone we loved and they were able to outfit them with a way that they would be able to have motor control or a higher quality of life or something through this type of a, a innovation, my goodness, I'd do everything humanly possible to have that happen. Oh, 100%. Wow. Okay, this next one is from the Good News Network, which mm-hmm. is a site I check often when I need to see some good news. Um, It says millionaire builds 99 tiny homes to cut homelessness in his community and even provides jobs on site for them. After selling his company for eight figures to a competitor, one Canadian entrepreneur is using his profit to build a community of tiny homes for those who need it most. In the New Brunswick city of Fredericton, his factory is now churning out one tiny home every four business days in a bid to create the 12 neighbors gated community of 99 homes and an enterprise center to give homeless people a ch- real second chance. 12 Neighbors founder Marcel Lebrun had a successful social media monitoring company, which he sold to an American competitor, and is now putting his new money where his mouth was. Every time he used to say something needed to be done about the homelessness problem in the city. Around 1,600 people in New Brunswick found themselves homeless for at least one day last year, reported the CBC. I see myself as a community builder and really what we're doing here is not just building a little community, but we're building a community in a city. Like how do we help make our city better? LeBrun told CBC. He has invested $4 million of his own money on the project to build 99 homes. And he's currently three quarters of the way there. With grants and support from the provincial and national government, the 12 neighbors community has received $12 million in total. The tiny homes have everything, a full-service kitchen, living and bathroom, bedrooms. They each have a small deck, solar panels on the roofs, and an aesthetically pleasing coat of paint. They were pre-built in a warehouse in which LeBron employs skilled volunteers to assemble the homes, which are then moved by heavy machinery onto concrete blocks that make up the foundation. While he believes the problem of tackling of tackling homelessness isn't as hard as people make it out to be, he does have a particular strategy in mind, namely welcoming those who may suffer from any of the maladies that homelessness in general is accompanied by to a place where ownership of property can give them a new sense of responsibility and a community of people who understand what they're going through. He has critics who believe it's better to introduce them back into a functional society rather than sequester them together. In any case, the millionaire understands the baggage, emotional and societal, that some of the residents may bring along. 
So the 12 Neighbors community is equipped with state-of-the-art security and gates to stop unwelcome visitors. I live right behind the security gates. There were cars coming in all the time at three o'clock in the morning, waking me up, a resident said. The gates have set boundaries. Along with the houses, the community comes with an enterprise center where a coffee bar that will be run as a business by the residents is being put in, in addition to a teaching kitchen and a silk printing business where many homeless now have jobs printing text and graphics onto shirts and totes. Isn't that a great idea? It, it really, really is. What's really incredible about that whole project that you mentioned and shared is the message of empowering because that instills a sense of self and uh, purpose and self-sufficiency that is vital in order to be it, it, it's so important for quality of life and it's what we all want we all want to feel like what we're doing is making a difference it's purposeful that we're living the life we came here to live and having secure housing and community can be a very, very big part of that. Yes, it really is. There's a, a man, Terence Crowster, and this happened in Cape Town, South, South Africa. It's, it's a few years old, but it just show it goes to show that some of the seeds that we plant can really come to fruition over time and grow and evolve. And his goal was to provide a safe space for young people to access books and resources in an area where there was a lot of gang violence in their community. So he converted a couple of shipping containers into a, a library and he put them in these hot spots and hundreds and hundreds of children would go and it was seen, and it was seen as a safe spot from gang activity. But his whole thing was to provide a place that would address the unique challenges faced when ministering to a community rife with gang violence. And I think his words were that, um, you know, he wants to give people, young people, a chance to renew their lives. And he remembered growing up in that area before there was a lot of gang violence and, and kids could walk and play freely. And because of the the differences he sees this library as an opportunity for children to rewrite their story. And I love that so much. I can't even stand it because I think that's so indicative of giving a hand up not a, and really helping people realize that you can always make positive changes in your life. You can always rewrite that script. Um, you know, he has he started out with a small group and it's grown to hundreds and hundreds of, of members, but he also offers tutoring and mentorship and lessons in recycling and self-defense, that this is giving people a place to be. And there's a quote on one of the sites that I read about him, and it says, we've taken this site of trauma and transformed it into a place of hope. Just love it. We talk about social justice. We talk about changing things. We talk about all of this. And in this man, Terrence Crowster, has really embraced that. The quote that Crowster uses is, if this can inspire more people to stand up and do their part, then I've done my job towards changing our community. And I know here in my small community, there are blessing boxes, there are 
um, exchange libraries. There's a store in town where you can go in and bring a book and switch it out for another book. And we may think, well, what difference does that make? But it is making a difference for someone. It really is. And I think that's something we need to remember is every, every small act of kindness we do, even every small thought we think of kindness really does go out into the world and affect positive change. And we're not being Pollyanna or discounting how much is actually going on in the world that is very traumatic and heavy. But in my heart, I have said this many, many times, I do believe that it makes a difference when we start in our small circle and we do something from kindness and it's going to cause a ripple effect. Anything we can do to just share our light and spread a little bit of joy. And and even if it's, you know, if you might feel a little selfish about it, like for example, if I did the, the loose threads project, you know, I love to crochet in it. So I would feel almost a little selfish because you know, it's so cozy and comforting for me, especially in the winter to put on a Hallmark movie with my kids and pull out my needles, you know, and my, it's almost like, is this really me helping or am I helping myself? Um, But even if it's something like that, it's still, you're doing something to reach and give back and and remind everybody that, that we're all in this together and no one is alone. Exactly. All right. The last one I want to share isn't really a, a news story. It's just a story from my sister. And I told you, Denise, I I really want to get her on the show to do a, a podcast episode on this. But, you know, she and I have just been so busy. But I'm hoping maybe over her holiday break from teaching, she can. In the summer, I don't know where she got this idea, but she was having a little issue with someone in her life and was like, mm, how am I going to really fix this? And she listened or read something that inspired her. And so what she did was she wrote them a thank you letter, knowing she'd never send it to them, right? But she just wrote um, their name and just said, I want to thank you for, and just listed all the reasons why she was grateful for this person in her life and all the wonderful attributes of their of their friendship. And within three days, that person reached out and everything was mended and healed. And so she started doing this all summer with different things in her life, right? And (laughs) this is not going to sound spiritual, okay, Denise, and judge me. But after an entire summer of listening to her, and she was telling other friends and other friends, like one of her friends hadn't spoken to a child in months. The child was adult grown child was mad at her for something. And she wrote a letter thanking this child. And, and that uh, person called her and said, I'm sorry, mom. And they're doing well. So she had all these stories and it was like amazing. And I said, I said, Courtney, you know what you should do is write a letter thanking money. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Why not? Like, right. I love you money for helping me pay my bills and provide food. And, and she did that and she had some wonderful financial abundance things happen to her. So I just would love to know what, what you think about that. I think gratitude is everything. And having met your sister, that is so perfect. She's so kind and loving and genuine. I said, you've got to get on the show because she talks about it with such passion and enthusiasm. And, you know, it was a miracle. She called the next day. (laughs) (laughs) It comes back to kindness. How many times over the years have we heard people say, don't hold on to the grudge, you know, make the apology, make peace with it. Even if you just do it with yourself, give yourself a better interaction. 
Yeah. And I like it because it's more than, um, you know, I think we've all tried the write down three things you're grateful for each day. This is really personal. And instead of focusing on your fears about a relationship or your anger over a relationship or your concerns, you're focusing on all the positive of that person and you're writing them down. And, and the fact that not only with her, but with other friends that she has shared this with, it has yielded amazing results. Again, going back to our, our plan story shows that consciousness and our thoughts are very, very real things. And when we send out those positive thoughts, they do ricochet back to us. And I think the same is true for negative thoughts. I think when you send out negative thoughts, um, they ricochet back as well, you know? So I think we have to be very aware of our thoughts and do these rituals and exercises like writing thank you letters to people that you'll never send. Uh, or maybe you do send them. I don't know. It's up to you, right? But just the intention of focusing on positivity for the 5, 10, 15 minutes it takes to write that letter. Imagine the beautiful energy you're cultivating all around you and within you. She's taking it to the next level, which is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I think it is too. And it's just interesting to think about the things that you could do with this. I mean, if you're trying to attack, attract a new job, I wonder if you could write, dear new job, I am so grateful that you have this income, have these benefits are in this city, you know, or dear new home. I, you know, I, it's inter it'd be interesting to kind of explore and practice mm -hmm. with that. Well, they always say, if you write it down, it puts more energy into it. Write it down, make it happen. I'd like to share one more quick one, and this one comes from Wales. This man went through an abusive foster home system, years of homelessness, drug addiction, which left him with complex PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. This man is in his late 30s, and over the last few years, he's helped himself by helping others. Seems to be a theme throughout our whole episode. That's why I wanted to share this one. Embarking on several charitable and social media initiatives, singing competitions, long distance bike rides to raise awareness of mental health and suicide. And I don't think there's anyone that's listening that hasn't been impacted by knowing a story of there's a fragility right now with mental health. Anything we can do to help each other or ourselves through that is incredibly important. This man, JLo Miles, he has the support of, he hasn't done it alone. He has a supportive partner, three children. But this is the fun part. He has a pair of British barn owls named Oscar and Louie. Miles rescued the two birds, and over time, they became his unlikely support animals. The two owl brothers have very different personalities, which Miles has seen as, you know, representing his own divided self. The wary Oscar is really protective, whereas Louie is a calm, loving, cheeky chappy. I firmly believe I didn't choose these boys, but they chose me. Over the years that Miles has had the owls, they've become local celebrities in their own right, accompanying Miles on visits to nursing homes and schools where he gives talks. Sometimes just seeing the owls can bring comfort to someone's day. Whenever anyone overcomes adversity and finds that inner strength, Okay, I need to help somebody get through what I've already been through. Holy shit, I have the utmost respect for that. I do too. I do too. I, I think that's half the reason why we go through adversity. 
is turn around and help others. That's why I love the hermit card from Tarot. That's what that's what that card always reminds me of is you have to go through this dark night of the soul alone, go into that cave, but you will get your lantern. You will get your light within that, that dark night of the soul to get your way out. But something about the hermit card always prompts me to say to the person, now it's your turn to shine this lantern like a beacon and help others go through their own dark night of the soul, whatever the challenge may be. That card is also so, so much about introspection, going within, seeking that inner knowing, getting clear with yourself. That's a great point to make. Yeah, I mean, I just think when we're able to, you know, we're, we're humans. We have to make meaning of the senseless stuff going on around us. And I think the only way to make meaning of it is to, is to reach out and and metaphorically or literally hold each other's hands. And if it means you need to have a cheeky chappy little owl to help you do that. Little owl. Well, I think that'll wrap us up unless you have another one. Well, I know it, it I mean, it helps me. I have to, I have to take those timeouts in my life from some of the negative stuff going on. And, you know, we agreed right at the beginning that, you know, we wouldn't deal with all of that stuff on this podcast. So it could be a break for people, a, a beacon of, of just, a distract a, a happy distraction is that a good way to say it? this has been fun because i think the more we share positive things to counter a heaviness it's going to help i really do believe it's going to help and it's not being oblivious or hiding our heads in the sand i do believe that community is huge right now and we're building a beautiful one every day and our community grows and evolves. And thank you to all of you for being a part of that. We're making a difference. We really are. But we're all in this together, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, all of us, all of us every day. And we have to be, we have to be aware of how we're doing that. But we also have to be aware of how much, how much power we have to make. I know when I watch the news, I feel powerless. I feel like, how am I going to help this situation? And then I think about everything we just shared today and how just sending out prayers, if that's in your belief system, really does work. Sending out positive thoughts, lighting a candle for a, a different intention each day, um, you know, holding a crystal or, or creating a crystal grid like I love to do for positive intentions, anything like that really does help to send more light into the world. And I think it reminds us that we're much more powerful than we think. And I don't mean powerful in the capitalist sense of the word. I think everyone knows that, but just felt compelled to say that. I mean, powerful in terms of we're not, we're not powerless. We're not without hope in, in some of the difficult stuff going on in the world right now. And we can contribute in a positive, loving, and peaceful way. That's beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this type of show, let us know. If you didn't, let us know, but do it kindly because we are sensitive empaths after all. <laughs> Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Thank you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.